welcome to Love Notes from a Soul Coach, a podcast where we talk all things healing, what motivates us, what gets in our way, how do we transcend those stuck places and learn to love and accept ourselves more. I'm your host, Mary, and I've crafted each episode around real themes from my private practice and my life with the intention of sharing insight, inspiration, and just keeping each other company along the journey. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into today's show. Hi, hi, hi. I hope you are having a brilliant day today out there. So I teach a class in New York City at a wellness center called Sage and Sound every Thursday, which I would love to see you at, by the way, if you're in New York City. At the time of this recording, the classes are every Thursday at 10 and 1 o'clock, but um, there's a link in my Instagram bio for the most current information at Mary Welch Official. Anyhow, the class is about relationships, which is, of course, a very juicy topic because as the research shows and as so many of us already know, the health of our relationships determines the quality of our lives, period. But when we talk about relationships, most of us immediately assume we're talking about the dynamic between ourselves and others. We skip right over the relationship we have with ourselves, even though it's the most foundational and important relationship in our lives, and it will have such an impact on all the other relationships in our lives, but we skip over it. And there's nothing random about this. The things we're most intimate with are the ones we're the most likely to take for granted. This is why it's so, so important to stay awake inside our lives. We can get pulled breathtakingly easily out of our own experience into the drama of what's going on out there. And when we do, when we focus on other people, what they're up to, how we need them to change, how problematic they are, we go into disempowerment mode. All relationships are mirrors. Whatever is popping up in your relationships with other people is a reflection or an iteration of something that is going on in you. So when we catch ourselves complaining about someone, they're mean, they're withholding, they don't appreciate me, it can be really eye-opening to stop and ask yourself, where am I being mean to myself or anyone else in my life? Where am I withholding? What am I neglecting to appreciate? When we bring it back to ourselves, we feel empowered to work with it, to grow with it, to understand and transform it. We aren't seeking to make ourselves wrong with this exercise. I I really want to make that clear. We're seeking to take responsibility. Fault and responsibility are not the same thing. When we keep making it about the other person, we entrap ourselves in a disempowered state where now our peace, our joy, our well-being depends on whether or not the other person is doing what we need them to do.
why do we struggle to love ourselves? Because we struggle to value ourselves. Why do we struggle to value ourselves? Because in many ways, we don't know who we are. We may be living with an understanding of ourselves that's not even true, that's fundamentally wounded and distorted. Instead of getting to know and appreciate and respect ourselves throughout the course of childhood, many of us grew up taking on the projections of the caretakers around us instead and integrating their feedback as proof of who we are. Gabor Mate has a great quote about this. He said, what we call the personality is often a jumble of genuine traits and adopted coping styles that do not reflect our true self at all, but the loss of it. If you grew up with a caretaker who was chronically stressed out or had their own unhealed, unconscious stuff buzzing around in the background, and if they were short-tempered with you when you expressed a need or they were violent toward you or they were depressed and shut down and unavailable or if they emotionally neglected you or allowed all kinds of abuse to happen to you right under their nose or if they didn't believe you, When you try to express your truth, the list goes on. How do you think that shaped your understanding of yourself as a child? I want you to really hear this part, okay? Children can't afford to hold their caretakers responsible for the things that are going horribly wrong. As children, we are wired to blame ourselves for all of this. Because it feels safer to blame ourselves. I know that sounds totally backwards, but blame is often a surrogate for control. If it's our quote unquote fault, we feel on some level it's within our power to do something about it. So when a child is exposed to all sorts of negative, damaging feedback and behaviors by their caretakers, They make a connection. This person is mad at me, neglecting me, hurting me because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of protection. I'm not worthy of reverence. I'm not worthy of positive attention or gentleness or care. It takes a lot of deep work to untangle these wires. Most of us just move straight from childhood into adulthood with a wounded sense of self and our feelings of unworthiness solidify over the years. You can see how the lineage plays out from there, right? If we don't properly know and value and love ourselves, what kinds of relationships do you think we're going to attract into our lives? And then if we wind up having children, when the children inevitably trigger us because raising children is mercilessly hard work, rife with triggers and challenges... How likely are we to act out our own demons on our kids? It's paper dolls. This stuff gets passed on and on. To heal is to disrupt a pattern. Someone has to wake up and say, this is madness. I must prioritize getting to the bottom of this in my lifetime, in my own heart. This is not what I was born for, to just perpetuate lies and hurt in a family system.
For those of us who are cycle breakers like this, for those of us who hear the call and determine the buck will end with us, we understand that the only way to transform the situation in our lives is through self-love. That's why when anyone rolls their eyes at me like, oh, self-love, blah, 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 that's just bumper sticker platitudes, I'm like, what? Self-love is the fiercest energy in the universe. Do you know how much strength and courage and faith and tenacity it takes to say the buck stops with me? To say I refuse to unconsciously repeat this crap? I refuse to believe that all there is to me are the layers of projections that have been broadcast onto me by people who weren't brave enough to do this work themselves. I know there's more to who I am. I know I've got a soul in there somewhere. And I know it can pull me out of the wreckage and teach me my true worth. Your soul knows the truth about who you are. The reason I call myself a soul coach is because I make a distinction in my work between the ego and the soul. We are both as human beings. We're not one or the other. We don't need to transcend the ego or kill the ego. The ego gets a bad rap. The truth is we need our egos. They're protective. They're like the shell of a turtle. The ego just needs to know its place. It's not meant to be running the show. The ego is meant to serve the soul. The ego is meant to provide the form and the structure to hold us as we manifest our destiny, our true calling, at the direction of our souls. Instead, for most of us, the soul serves the ego. The ego sits in the driver's seat, and the soul is bound and gagged in the trunk. And then we wonder why our lives don't work. I tell people all the time, if you want to transform your life, let your soul drive. It sounds easy, but it's not because the soul is going to want to drive to all kinds of places at all kinds of speeds that make us uncomfortable. The soul doesn't care about money or status or what's convenient to our so-called plans for our lives. When you truly hand the wheel over to your soul, get ready, get ready. But the thing is, that's when you're really alive. When you get that balance right, ego serving soul, not the other way around, that's when you're truly alive. I read a theory in the book, The Holographic Universe, that the human brain may contain a record of every single second ever lived, regardless of whether we can consciously remember it or not. It's in there like a living record. And this is how I think of the soul. It's a living record of the contract we made of the destiny we're meant to be following. And our work is to support our remembering and our aligning with that contract. Your soul is untarnishable. Lots of complicated stuff happens to us throughout our lives, lots of hurts. But the soul is like that stillness under the waves when we dip below the breakers, when we shift away from all the chaos that's happening back on the beach. And we just experience the dramatic silence under the water. The soul is that deeper part of us. It's not the madness on the surface. It's a resource for us. It knows stuff. It wants to talk with us, but it tends to talk very quietly, especially at first, very quietly. And sometimes we have to be very patient. We have to keep showing up, willing to pose the hard questions to our soul. And then willing to listen 
until we start to hear something back. When you begin to recognize the voice of your own soul, and when you begin to dedicate time in your life for that conversation on a regular basis, everything changes in profound ways because life on the level of the personality versus life on the level of the soul are radically different realities. So if we're saying the health of our relationships determines the quality of our lives, and we're also saying that most of us are not living reverent, appreciative, awake relationships with ourselves, that we're taking ourselves for granted instead because we don't know how amazing and worthy of love we are, how do we shift this? Well, the way we cultivate self-love is the same way we cultivate any kind of love. We do it through attention. In Buddhism, attention is a form of love. To give something your attention is to kind of douse it in love. I feel this regularly in my coaching work. It's not that we come up with solutions to problems in every single session. It's that the alchemical experience for a person of sharing what's heavy on their heart and being listened to attentively is the solution. It is the healing. Attention is precious. It's why the advertising industry is a gazillion dollar industry. Your attention is valuable. It's in demand. I wrote about a metaphor before of a houseplant in my living room who was struggling after I shifted some furniture around and it wasn't getting enough sunlight. And then I moved it back closer to the window and it started flourishing again. There was nothing inherently wrong with the plant. It just needed the sun's attention. Take a genuine interest in yourself, in your cravings, your desires, the nudges from your intuition, those feelings that say, I'd like to try this. I'd like to go there. I'd like to talk to this person. Pour your own attention onto and into yourself. This is how the practice of self-love begins. We start to recognize those of us who are in pain and have endured a lot throughout our lives. We recognize that we may have bought into a lie. We may not actually know ourselves. The self we know is mostly ego. It's mostly a conglomerate of the feedback we've been unconsciously absorbing and integrating and making true about us when the capital T truth about who we are is something we can only really learn through a relationship with our own souls. There's a momentum to be tapped here, and that momentum becomes the vehicle for transformation. As we get to know ourselves more deeply, we begin to like ourselves and care about ourselves and value ourselves more. This begins to influence our decisions. We're not willing to spend time with people who don't treat us well. We don't want to drink ourselves into oblivion. We don't want to eat stuff that makes our bodies feel sluggish or uncomfortable. We start to take more care in every area of our life. The quality of our life improves 
because the relationship with ourself has improved. It's not a magic trick, but it's pretty awe-inspiring all the same. You know, your time is the most valuable asset you have in this life. So I deeply appreciate your decision to spend some of it with me today. If you heard something that resonated or brought hope or a new perspective to your life in a meaningful way, please consider subscribing, reviewing, and sharing my podcast so it can find its way to more ears out there. If you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me anytime at marywelch.com. You can sign up there to join my mailing list and stay connected to all of my offerings, writings, and updates. Till next time, friends.